You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. And this morning we have Gary Webster in the studio in Hobart here. Welcome, Gary. Good to see you, Jason. Good to be here with our listeners. Yes, good to have you here. We'll be continuing your series, Lifetime Search, this morning. And uh, a bit of a, a teaser of the uh, the title, De- Decoding the Da Vinci Code. So I'm mm, looking forward looking, to a bit of that. I'm looking forward to it too, Jason. So, Gary, last week you were telling us um, that, you know, you've done a lot of travel and uh, I asked you a question about, I think, some of your favourite places. Um, I'm going to ask you, Gary, on all of the travels that you've done, I, I think uh, you've done quite a lot of travel in, in uh, different places and different times. Um, have you ever faced any major dramas? Fortunately, not too much, Jason. You don't want that sort of thing when you're travelling, especially when you're taking a group. But I do remember one really well uh, just a few years back, not that long ago. We're travelling through Egypt, actually, on the way from uh, Luxor down to Aswan. And as we're driving along this highway, some fellow decides to pull out. This is in a country, rural area. He decides to pull out without watching, looking, and just drove straight in front of our bus, and we, we hit him. Mm. And uh, the bus driver tried to swerve, and, and, and fortunately there was a little little barrier alongside the road because down there was the river, and, and it saved us from going down. Anyway, the, to cut a long story short... Um, villagers turned up and they were they were really angry with the, with the bus driver blaming him and and so the the tour operator who was with us he said oh, stay in the bus I'll sort this out but the people were getting quite angry actually um, he he had the sense to phone the police the police turned up then the army turned up guys with all sorts of um, badges on their shoulders and I thought boy these people don't want any tourists to, to, to go missing yeah. so anyway fortunately the guy himself who we thought was wow he's in bad shape. He was let out of hospital that afternoon, and uh, we, we gave them some money. And the, it, the thing that really calmed it down was the father of the guy turned up, and he said, "Listen, it's my son's fault." And he calmed the villagers down, and they, and you know, said, but but I've never seen so many police and army guys around one little bus. Yeah, for, for one accident. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Interesting. Interesting. Now, uh, before we get into our program, I'll just remind our listeners of our number. This is a mobile text number. You can text us on. Uh, it's zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, and that number is just for Tazik Encounters zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Feel free to text in any questions, any feedback, and of course later in the program um, you can take advantage of the offer that we will be giving uh, today, which is a book. I will give you more information about that a bit later. And, of course, remember um, past episodes you can catch up on through the Faith FM website or the Faith FM app, which you can download from the App Store if you are connected on an Apple phone or an Android phone. Now, Gary, uh, do you want to just give us a recap of, of where we've sort of come from? We've, this is our seventh episode today, so yes. a very, very short recap. <laughs> yes, well, we've, we've looked at the fact that the, the biblical writings are the best source for knowing the future because they have historical accuracy. You can trust them, what it says. They have prophetic reliability. They have a proven track record of fulfilled predictions. And uh, we saw that they even take us right down to our own time. Last uh, week's program, we we went to Jerusalem and we saw those signs that Jesus the Christ gave 2,000 years ago, which look like our newspapers today. Yeah, awesome. Well, today's uh, program, Decoding the Da Vinci Code, I think uh, we 
need to get into it. Yeah, you, you know, Jason, everybody, it seemed, was reading that book a few years ago. I, I was travelling on planes, trains, and all sorts of places, and people were reading that book just a few years ago. It's a fascinating book. It, it, it claims that Jesus was just a man, mm. just a human being, and he was married to Mary Magdalene. That's a couple of its most basic claims. Now, the question is, is are its claims true? Because many people thought this was a, this was the real facts of life. Well, let me just share with you a couple of things that indicate to us that, hey, we need to, we need to be careful. It claims in this book that Jesus' divinity, the idea that Jesus is God in human flesh, this was the result of a vote taken by the Council of Nicaea back in 325 AD. In other words, the people voted and said that Jesus is God. Now, um, he also says this was a relatively close vote, Jason. Mm. Let me give you the facts of history. This is from, this is from uh, history, from encyclopedias of early Christian history. Only two bishops refused to sign the council's documents, uh, and they were removed and went into exile by the emperor. 316 bishops signed in favour and two refused to sign. It's a pretty good majority. Yeah, I'm not sure that I'd call that a relatively <laughs> no, close vote. Not at all. But Dan Brown does. He says this was a relatively close vote. Even the politicians wouldn't call that a relatively close vote. Mm. 316 opposed to two. So he, he doesn't get his facts straight. I mean, where was he getting his information from then? I have no idea that, the, you know, <clears> obviously <throat> he didn't do his homework. Here's another mm. one. He makes this claim that the Bible is the product of man and produced by the Roman Emperor Constantine. Mm. Now, that's his claim. But the facts are this. Uh, there are actually 86,000 quotations from the New Testament part of the Bible in what we call the early church fathers. Uh, and these leaders lived before Constantine. So to claim that Constantine did it, no, 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 he's, he's got the facts wrong. Now, it might be an interesting historical novel, but that's about all it is. It, it, it's it's unreliable source of information. That's my point. That's just two two of the things that you know. There's many others that we could we could quote that are not reliable information. So you wouldn't want to go to that book to get your source of of, of uh, this person called Jesus. But who was this Jesus of Nazareth? That's the question. I want to look at uh, today, Jason, yeah. because we've talked about Jesus the Christ. Remember that rock that struck that image on the feet in mm. last week's program where Jesus makes these predictions? Who is this Jesus of Nazareth that makes these predictions and that the Bible says this this uh, em- last empire uh, will take over this world through his return? Time magazine a few years ago had this to say. They said, this is the single most powerful figure, not merely in the last two millennia, but in all of human history, talking of Jesus Christ. In other mm. words, he's made a tremendous impact on human civilization. Which, which, considering there was no military conquests, you're right. You know, there was no uh, political leadership, mm. and yet this amazing impact. Yeah, incredible. So, so the question is, who who really was it? Let me. See. Help our listeners, first of all, realise that there really was a Jesus of Nazareth, a historical figure 2,000 years ago. We we know that because non-Christian writers wrote about him. Now, they've got no axe to grind. They're not trying to prove a point. These mm. are just non-Christian historians who happen to write about him. For example, Thallus in 52 AD, that's just uh, you know 20 years after Jesus Christ's death, he wrote of the death of Jesus. He, he mentions that in his writings. Then there's Serapion. He's a Syrian, 73 AD. He wrote of the execution of the king of the Jews. 
Then we have a famous Jewish writer who was not a Christian, Flavius Josephus. Probably heard of Josephus, Jason. Yes. His, his, his book. His name comes up a lot in uh, historical references. He's a Jewish historian. He actually was fighting against the Romans in the War of the Jews back in 60 to 70 AD, and then he changed side and joined the Romans. But he lived from 37 to 97 AD. Notice what he wrote. Remember again, Jason, not a Christian. So mm. he's not trying to prove a point. He says, Now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, for he was a doer of startling deeds. Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men among us, condemned him to the cross. Now that's almost what you read in the Bible. Mm. And this non-Christian writer is, is referring to this. I think probably one of the most fascinating ancient historians is a Roman historian by the name of Tacitus. He's actually regarded as the greatest historian of ancient Rome. Notice what he said about this person. Christus, from whom the name Christ had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius, that's the emperor, at the hands of one of our procurators or governors, Pontius Pilate. Again, that's almost what you read in the Bible. Mm. And this non-Christian historian is right about him. So from the perspective of the ancient historians, this person was a real person. But even archaeology supports the Bible story of Jesus. For example, a few years ago in Caesarea on the Mediterranean Sea where the Romans ruled from when they were controlling Palestine, archaeologists found a very important stone. It's called the Pontius Pilate Stone. You can see it in the Israeli Museum today. It mentions Pontius Pilate, the prefect of Judea. That's a biblical historical person again that Mm. the Bible mentions. And then just a few years ago, they found the ossuary of Caiaphas. You wonder, what's an ossuary, Jason? I have no idea what an ossuary is. Sounds like a pretty fascinating term, doesn't it? It does. (laughs) An ossuary is a bone box because, you see, the ancient people in the Jewish culture, they would lay the person's body in a tomb, and then when it decomposed, all that would be left with the bones, they gather the bones together, put them in a box. Okay. And they discovered the ossuary of Caiaphas. Now, you recall in the story of Jesus the Christ, he's the one who tries Jesus, and then they send him to Pilate. So discovered even the the guy's bone box mm. belonging to Caiaphas. So there's no question among, among scholars today that there wasn't a real person called Jesus of Nazareth. We need to lay that one to rest. He was a real person. But the question is, who was he? Uh, let, let, me, let me just talk about some... Famous people. You've heard of Confucius. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we've all heard of Muhammad, the prophet of the Muslims. And then there's Buddha, uh, Jeremiah the prophet. You know, these were, you know, was he was was Jesus just like one of them? A, mm. good, a good man? Is that what he was? Well, what we'd have to look at is who did he actually claim to be himself? Mm. That's what we'd need to look at. And we're going to pick that up, Jason, after we take a break after our first song, um, because, you know, Jason, Jesus actually won't go away. Um, You think about it, poems, books and plays have been written about this person. Movies and works of art have been made concerning him. Uh, And his name is used profusely profusely as a swear word. We don't say here's people swearing by the name of Muhammad or Or Buddha. Buddha. (laughs) We we don't hear that. But we do hear Jesus. He's he's certainly on people's minds, and he Mm. has been for centuries. So who is this man? That's what we want to look at. Mm. If ever we need um, guidance from... uh, uh, or help in this area, this is the area we need. Who was this person called Jesus of Nazareth? Yeah, well, we're going to have a listen to this song now. It's actually called 
Who He Is by Scott Reid. Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening to Tassie Encounters and we're talking to Gary Webster. And uh, before the break, we were just getting to the point of really asking the question, who was Jesus? Well, we, we just discussed that he was a real person. History mm. shows that. But 
Who was he, Gary? Yeah, that's the question we want to answer here, Jason. I want to go to the book of Revelation. Chapter 22, verse 12 and 13 says these words. Behold, now Jesus is talking. Behold, I come quickly. I am the Alpha, that's the first letter of the Greek alphabet, and Omega, the last letter of the Greek alphabet, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So I want you to notice what Jesus claims here. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the first and the last. Now, when we go to the first page of the book of Revelation, this is what it says about the Alpha and the Omega. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Mm. So, Jason, it's very clear from the book of Revelation that Jesus claimed to be God Almighty. Mm. In fact, he's actually quoting from the book of Isaiah. Remember, we talked about Isaiah, one of the great scrolls found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. Isaiah wrote this in chapter 44, verse 6. Thus says the Lord, and he uses the word capital L-O-R-D, which is the term for Jehovah, the great I am God, the king of Israel and his redeemer, the Lord of hosts. And he uses the same word again, capital L-O-R-D. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. So Jesus was really claiming here, uh, Jason, to be Jehovah, God Almighty. That's Mm. who he was really claiming to be. Now, let me assure you that Buddha never claimed that. Nor did Muhammad, nor did Jeremiah or Confucius. None of these people ever claimed to be God, but Jesus of Nazareth did. And that's just one place we've looked at. Which either makes him a liar or perhaps he was who he said he was. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> first of all, if, if, he, if he knows he's not God and he claims to be God, then you're right, he'd be a liar. Mm. When I was a kid, I was told that you shouldn't tell lies. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. And so if Jesus is claiming something he knows he's not, he's lying. The second which, option... Which means he's not good. Which means he's not good, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and the second option would be, well... Uh, he just doesn't know the difference. He, he, and if he, if he's claiming to be God, and he doesn't know that he's not God, he'd be a bit crazy. So he's not in his right he's mind. Not in his right. Yeah, because yeah. if I, if I got on the radio this morning talking and say, Jason, I'm God, you'd say, man, what's wrong with you? What, what, what mushrooms were you eating last night? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't exactly. you? That's what would it be? Yeah. So he's either he's either lying or he's. He, he's crazy, he, he, he hasn't got his mind together, or he's who he claimed to be. Mm. They're the only three options we really have. So so who was Jesus and what evidence do we have uh, that he was actually God in human flesh? Is there any evidence? Well, let me share with you, Jason, that there is good evidence that he was God in human flesh, and it comes from the prophecies, those predictions found before he even arrived. Notice, I would, I'd like to remind us of some some verses I read a couple of weeks ago. This is from Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. It says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I declare the end from the beginning. In other words, I can predict the future, and that's an evidence that I am God, that I can make these predictions, things that are not yet done. Hmm. And Jesus himself said these words, Now I tell you before it comes, so that when it does happen, you may believe that I am he. So it's a pretty important point, isn't it? It is. This point of being able to foretell the future um, is is a characteristic that identifies him as being God. The supreme God, exactly. And God claims that. Mm. Now, Jesus said, I tell you before it happens that you may know that I, I am. That's the same Mm. word for 
Jehovah or the capital L-O-R-D. In the Greek language, it's the I, I am. So mm. Jesus is claiming again to be God Almighty. And the prophecies, he says, show help you realize that. So let's go back and look at some of these predictions about Jesus before he even arrived. We go to the Dead Sea Scrolls again. Remember, Jason, we saw that there were two complete scrolls of Isaiah found among that collection, plus every other book of the Old Testament except parts of the book of the Old Testament, except the book of Esther. So we've got some some documents we can look at that make predictions about this person before he even arrived. So let's have a look at at some of them. these are predictions with a proven track record. Now, some of these predictions about Jesus talk about his life, his birth, and his death written way before. In fact, 500 to a 1,000 years before some of them. So these are interesting predictions. And by the way, Dr. Peter Stoner examined just eight of these predictions. Now, there's about 300 of these predictions about the Messiah in the Old Testament. He just looked at eight of them and said, what's the probability that eight of these predictions would actually happen in the life of one person? And they all happened, just eight of the 300. This is what he found. He discovered that it's one with, uh, what have we got? Three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, seventeen zeros after. And that's not a gambling man's chance, is it really? You know, one in, it's not one in two, this is one in one. In actual fact, the chances of this are like this. So let's say, let's say we got two dollar coins, Australian gold coins, and we painted one red. And we covered all of Australian mainland with a six, eight centimetres, I should say, eight centimetres of gold $2 coins, and only one of them was red. Mm. Right. What's the chances of pulling just one, that red one out of all that in one hit? That's yeah. the chances. A very small chance. <laughs> a very small chance. In other words, you'd, this you'd is have better really, luck winning the lotto. <laughs> exactly. So to, for 300 and to happen, that was just eight. So let's have a look at some of them. Um, Prophecies revealed that Jesus is God in human flesh. Let's look at, first of all, a prediction made about his birth. This is made 700 years before he came. And it's the prophet Micah. He writes, You, Bethlehem, we all know the Christmas story that Jesus was born there, actually, but you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you will come forth to me the one to be ruler or king in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from eternity. Mm. Now, one of the attributes of God is that he never had a beginning. Mm. So whoever's going to be born in Bethlehem, according to the Bible, this is God because this person, this being, never had a beginning at point in a point in time. It's from the everlasting. Yes, old. he was. Yeah. Yeah, so it's claiming that he he was God and became a human being, but he always existed. Now, this is the claim, or this is the prediction. Now, everybody knows that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but his mum and dad were up at Nazareth. Now, that's a distance of about 130 kilometres. Mm. Now, remember. Mary is about nine months pregnant. Now, if you're a pregnant woman and about to give birth... Would you want to set out on a 130-kilometre journey? Not on a donkey, anyway. Not on a donkey. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the thing you usually do. But enter Caesar Augustus, Mm. and he makes a decree that everybody has to 
go back to their original, their homeland, their hometown, mm. and Joseph is from Bethlehem. And so because of this decree, they have to make this journey. They have no choice, and so they, they get to Bethlehem. Was that was that uh, census or the decree uh, a regular thing, or was it a one-off they thing? Found, they found there were different censuses, but yeah. we find if, actually they also had to go back to their home then. We have one from ancient Egypt, from, from the Romans, a few years after, about 97, I think it was, AD. So they found that, yes, the Romans did have these census things. From time to time. Mm, yeah, we have archaeological evidence that these were taken and mm. you had to go to your own home. So that's the first one, Jason. So he was born in Bethlehem. So the question now is perhaps he is God if he's the one from eternity. Okay? Mm. Then we have prophecies toward the end of his life, towards the, his death. Here's one. Um, the amount of money he would betray, be betrayed for was made about 450 years before his his. Uh, he came. This is what it says in the book of Zechariah. Thus says the Lord. Now notice it's capital L-O-R-D. Thus says the Lord, they wait out for my wages. It's Jehovah God talking here. They wait out for my wages, 30 pieces of silver. Now everybody knows that's what Judas betrayed Jesus for, 30 pieces of silver. Mm. But but interesting, this is way ahead of time, and it makes me wonder if Zechariah, when he penned these words, even really understood what it meant. I doubt that he did. Yeah. He was being in, impressed by Because this we, is saying, who says the Lord, my wages? It's saying, yes. I am the Lord, and my wages are going to be 30 pieces. Exactly. So, yeah. so this is a claim. He's saying, whoever ha- this happens to him, this is evidence that this is God in human flesh. Now, how did they actually know uh, that so far in advance, 450 mm. years before? How, how did they know? Well, for example, we don't know the price of bread next year. We just know it's going to go up. Yeah. Because <laughs> everything Generally goes speaking. up. speaking. <laughs> Same with fuel. We don't even know what the price of gas will be next year. Mm. So how did they know this was going to be 450 years? It's, 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 it's a miracle, you see. Mm. All right. And also, Jason, how did they know silver would be uh, currency at that time? Because silver hasn't always been currency. No, you know? no. I, I, some would be uh, gold, I assume, in, in certain yeah, times. In different, and yeah, different times and different and other, yes, other materials. Didn't always use coins, you know. Mm. And then a second prediction would be where the money would be brought that he was betrayed for and how they would spend the money. This is an amazing prediction. It's from the same writer, Zechariah, again. Notice what it says in chapter 11, verse 13. And the Lord, it's again Jehovah, capital L-O-R-D, said to me, throw it to the, sorry, throw it to the potter, the princely price they set on me. Again, it's using, God says it's on me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and I threw them into the house of the Lord. That's the temple for the potter. Now, notice, Jason, uh, this is very specific. Mm. So how the money, what they would do with it and how they would spend it, where it would be brought and how they would spend it. Now, you can actually visit Jerusalem today and you can see the places where Jesus actually walked. There are some steps there from the first century where you could almost say Jesus walked these steps. Mm. Uh, but these, some of these, ste- these particular steps where you can say Jesus must have walked here, more than likely, because they're from the first century B.C., um, they lead on to the temple. And it was to the temple that Judas came after he'd betrayed Jesus and realized that, hey, they were going to kill him, that he threw the money in. Let me read it to you. It says these words. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple. 
And that's what the prediction was. They threw them into the house of the Lord. That's the temple. Into the temple, and he departed and went out and hanged himself. But the chief priests consulted together and bought with them the potter's field. Now, that's remarkable. So the Bible had predicted that 400 years, and that's what they did with the money. You see, Jason, Bible prophecy is precise. Mm. It mentioned the amount he would be betrayed, where they would bring the money into the temple, and what they would spend the money on, a potter's field. Jesus is God in human flesh. That's what these predictions are telling us about. Now, look, our next song, uh, let's pick up some more of these powerful predictions to do with his death, because these are even, these are mind-boggling uh, about Jesus. And these were made centuries before he came. We'll pick some more of those up, Jason. Um, we have a free book to offer today, and I'm really looking forward to talking more yeah. about that. It's a fantastic book, actually life-changing, changed the lives of many people, including myself. Yeah, the book, uh, the name of the book is The Desire of Ages, and we'll give you more information about that. If you haven't written the number down, it's 0488 880891. Uh, in our next section, uh, we'll give you more information about that. Uh, let's have a listen to this song. It's called One Pair of Hands by Carol Robertson, and uh, it really, uh, yeah, talks about Jesus um, being human. Mm. Yeah. So God in human form. God in human form. Only the Creator is God. <laughs> One pair of hands on the mountains. One pair of hands on the sea. One pair of hands made the sun and Every bird, every flower, every tree One pair of hands on the valleys The ocean, the rivers and the sand Those hands are so strong, so well One pair of hands raise the dead One pair of hands calm the raging storm And thousands of people were fed One pair of hands said I love you And those hands were nailed to a tree
One Pair of Hands by Carol Robertson. It's uh, a, an older style song, but it's actually only recorded uh, about eight years ago. Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's he's, a, he's a great singer too. And Jason, yeah. you know, he, he captures what we're talking about here. Yeah. The creator who fashioned us with his own hands is the same God who put his hands out on a cross and died for us. That's a, an incredible thought there. Jesus is the creator God. That's what the New Testament claims. Now, Gary, we've been talking about the prophecies uh, that talked about Jesus and the very specific nature of them. I think you've got a few more things to share about that. Yeah, just uh, just some things to do with the closing points of his life, Jason. The method of torture is mentioned or predicted in the Bible. This is 700 BC, mind you. This is written by the prophet Isaiah again. He says, I gave my back to those who struck me mm. and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. I'm sure many of our listeners saw Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ blockbuster movie. Yes, uh, it was mentioned in a previous program, and uh, I, I haven't yet sat down and watched it. I want to watch it. Oh, I've got to be in the right frame of mind, and uh, I've actually got a copy of it, so yeah. I've, I've got to watch it sometime soon. Well, let me tell you, you know, that form, film portrays pretty graphically what happened to, mm. to Jesus. You know, they used the cat of nine tails, they used to call it. Paul talked about it. He had uh, twice lashed with this thing, Jesus was, it says in the mm. Bible. Um, uh, there's 39 lashes each time. Now, it had, had pieces of leather on a short handle, and tied to the leather were pieces of bone or lead. And when they'd bring that down on the back of a man and they pulled it back, it would just tear strips of, strips of, sh- of flesh off, you know. Jesus received this twice mm. and, and spat upon. And that, all that was predicted 700 years before. Mm. Then the method of his death, it mentions this in the Psalms. This is a thousand years before Jesus Christ. They pierced my hands and my feet. Well, that's crucifixion, of course, in anybody's language. Mm. In fact, just a few years ago, they discovered the bones of a man who had been crucified in the ankle there in Jerusalem, same time around the same time as Jesus Christ. Crucifixion actually was only practiced from about 150 B.C., to 320 AD, yet the Bible predicted a thousand BC that Jesus would be pierced in his hands and feet. It's incredible. In, isn't in it? his hands, it says there. So, mm. yeah, prophecies you see indicate that Jesus, who is who he claimed to be, God in human flesh. Just a, a couple more, Jason, which are really fascinating. The prophecy concerning the time of his ministry and his death. Now, I'm not going to get into detail on this one, but it comes from the book of Daniel. Now, Jesus claimed to be the Messiah or God or, or, or Christ. Hmm. Now, this is, this took place when he was being tried before Caiaphas. Let me read you the passage in Matthew 26, verse 63 and 64. It says, The high priest said to him, Swear by oath to the living God, Are you the Christ, the Son of God? Jesus said to him, it is as you have said. In other words, Jason, I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. The high priest then tore his clothes, saying he has spoken blasphemy. In other words, he's claiming to be God Hmm. while he's just a human being. Uh, So Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, which was also a claim to be God Almighty. Now, was Jesus actually God, the Messiah, God Almighty? The book of Daniel was a fascinating one among the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, remember, these Dead Sea Scrolls date back to at least 100 to 200 BC. So even the copies, that the oldest copies we have, date that before the time of Jesus by one, one to 200 years. Mm-hmm. Gabriel comes along to Daniel. This is 500 years before Jesus now. And he informs Daniel 
of the very time the Messiah would come. He actually predicts through his prophecy that the Christ or the Messiah would come in 27 AD. Now, the New Testament records that event. Luke was a very accurate historian, and he writes these words. Now, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, you know, in the Jordan River there. And while he prayed, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in, in form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son in whom you I am well pleased. Now, the 15th year of Tiberius, we know, was 27 AD. So 500 years before Daniel predicts in his prophecy that Jesus would be born in 27 AD, and Luke records it, 27 AD. And that's when Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. By the way, Jason, that's what the word Christ means, the anointed one. The anointed one, yeah. That's what the Messiah, that's the Hebrew word, Mm. the anointed one. So right on time... Jesus comes. And that's why Jesus, when he, when he started his work, you'll notice what he says in Mark chapter 1. He says, the time is fulfilled. What time? Daniel's time. That's what he's claiming. I have arrived on time. I am the Messiah. I am God. The prediction of Daniel also rem- recorded that he, or predicted that he would be crucified in 31 AD, and he was. Amazingly. That's why this pr- prediction that we're talking about, that talked about when he would arrive, when he would die, is called by uh, Sir Isaac Newton. You remember Sir Isaac Newton? Yes, he was Apple a on the head, yeah. Apple on the head, gravity stuff. Yep. Right. Yep. This guy was also a student of Bible prophecy. Right. And he wrote this uh, concerning this prophecy that we just briefly talked about. He said, this is the foundation stone of the Christian religion because it shows that Jesus is the Messiah, God in human flesh. In actual fact, Jason, I have a good friend living in... Uh, uh, he's a Russian Jew, uh, Alexander Bolotnikov. We we dug together in Jordan. Uh, Bolotnikov was a devout member of the Communist Party in the 1980s in Russia, and he wanted to go to the University of Moscow to study science, but he couldn't get into the university, and he wondered why. He did a bit of sniffing around, him and his father, and they found that it was because he was Jewish. So he says, if that's how they're going to treat their most devout followers because I'm a Jew, I'm out of the party. So he quit the Communist Party and Bolotnikov, being a secular Jew at that point in time, he now started to look for his Jewish roots. He Mm. went to the synagogues in Kiev, in the Ukraine and so on. And he met a group of Christians who showed him this very prophecy. And when they showed him that Jesus had predicted he would die in 31 AD and he'd be baptized in 27, he said these words, Jesus is the Christ. He's the Messiah. Because this prophecy nails it for us. Mm. It's, it shows that he is God in human flesh. Well, we've got one more prediction of the of the many that we could talk about it, but these are the prophecies concerning his resurrection. Let me just mention this one. This is made 1,000 years before Christ. It says these words, You will not leave my soul in Sheol, the grave that is, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. In other words, the Holy One's body would not decompose. Now, the Holy One in the Old Testament is a reference to God. For example, you will not leave my soul in hell. You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. The Holy One is the Lord your God, it says in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 3. Now, when we go to the New Testament on the day of Pentecost, a famous day in Christian history, 
It says these words, men of Israel, hear these words, and Peter is speaking. He says, Jesus of Nazareth, who we're talking about here, having you have taken by lawless hands, you have crucified, you have put to death, whom God raised up. And then he quotes from that passage. For David says concerning him, you will not leave my soul in the grave, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Now, one of the places I take people to when I take them to Israel, Jason, is the garden tomb. And on the garden tomb, there's a there's a sign that says he is not here. <laughs> he is risen from the dead. You don't go to a tomb of Jesus to, to somehow worship at a shrine of a dead man. Christianity doesn't know that. Christianity knows that this Jesus who died rose again, Mm. never to die again. In fact, Jesus said these words. He said, I lay down my life and I take it again. I have power to take it again. Now, you and I can't say that. If we go into the box, there's no way we're coming out by our own power. Mm. We can't raise ourselves. But Jesus claimed to be able to do that because he was God in human flesh. So the Old Testament predictions point to the fact that this Jesus was not just a man. He was God in human flesh. Uh, Gary, it's time to give our uh, bit more information about today's oh, offer. Oh, this, this, this offer is awesome. It takes you, this, this book, The Desire of Ages, is one of the best books ever written on the life of Jesus. It takes you from the time of his birth right through to when he rose again. And fascinating, beautiful stories that come to life. You, you, you'll sort of be walking in the steps of Jesus. And I would encourage people to sign in for this book, The Desire of Ages. It's a top book and it'll, it'll really, it's a transforming book, Jason. So grab the number now, 0488 880891. That's 0488880891. And we'll give you the code just after the break. And uh, we're going to listen to this song called Do You Really Know Me? Jason, before we go to that song, I want to answer the question after this song. So what's the big deal that Jesus is God in human flesh? So 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 what? So what? So what? So that's what that's the big deal about this. Yeah. Point. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll we'll get into that in the next section. Um and I guess uh, this song do you really know me? It, there's many aspects to this, I guess. Mm. Do we have the wrong picture of who Jesus was? Mm. Do we have the wrong picture of who God is? Um yeah, so let's have a listen and it uh hopefully you'll uh, great song you'll get something uh, from this song. Like a picture that's been marked Distorted and defamed Though the world can hardly see me And I often get the blame To things I'd never do But the question remains Do you really know me? Do you really know me? Do you really understand How much I love you? And I will do everything I can To show you who Sort me for yourself Search for me and you will find That my arms are stretched so wide 
full of love for you, my child. I long for you to be with me for all eternity. So the question remains: Do you really know me? Do you really know me? Do you? Search with all your heart, like a treasure that's hidden in the dirt. If you seek me, you'll find me. I am waiting to be found. The world says many things, but do you really? And became a human man. I came to show you God and who I really am. I died for all to see just how much you mean to me. So the question remains: Do you? Do you really know me? Do you really understand how much I love you? And I will do everything. I will do everything I can to show you. That was Carly Fletcher and Sandra Enterman, both uh, Australian artists, Australian singers, and uh, yeah, beautiful voices and a beautiful song, mm. and so applicable to what we've been talking about. You know, who was really who Jesus really was? Was he God? Or was he not God? And uh, we've just been um, sharing evidence that he he was who he said he was. He yeah. was God himself. So so what, Gary? What what does that really? What difference does it make that Jesus was actually God? Well, Jason, that's a big so what. It's a fantastic so what question. First of all, for example, it means that the offer of eternal life is a real offer. For example, Jesus said these words. We read them earlier in our program. I'm the first and the last, the Almighty, that is. I am he who lives and was dead, and I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of Hades, or the grave and of death. In other words, Jesus can actually unlock the grave for us. We're all going to go to the grave. Our pulse is the funeral march to the tomb. We're born and we begin to die, but Jesus can get us out because he has the keys. Absolutely. And it's just reminding me, grave, dig, 
And our code today for the offer, which I forgot to give just right. after the break, which I promised, is DIG number five. Okay, good. <laughs> so uh, we, we, we're digging into this topic, but DIG number five, DIG five, no spaces, is the offer for today's book. So please text that in, 0488880891. Great. So, Great. so we're talking about the grave. So his offer of eternal life is real. He said, I am the resurrection of the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. So this idea of, of a kingdom with no tears, no pain, no sorrow, no death, it's a real forever hope because of who Jesus is. So what that Jesus is God, Jason? The second thing is that we're absolutely never alone. You think of our world today, we've never lived so close, but we've never had so many lonely people. We live on top of each other in high-rise buildings, and people have known to die, and nobody knew they were even dead for weeks and months sometimes Jesus says these words I am with you always even to the end of the world it says in the book of Hebrews I will never never leave you or forsake me what a hope that is Jason we're never alone somebody is with us so what it means our past can be forgiven because this is what Jesus said he said so that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins our past can be forgiven this is, this is the meaning of the so what, who Jesus is. And finally, it means we have power to live life, Jason, at its very best. Because the Bible says these words, I have strength to do all things through Christ who lives in me and empowers me. In other words, Jesus Christ can give us the power to break the chains of guilt. Some people, they don't know how to get rid of guilt of the past, but Jesus can forgive us and get rid of that. Jesus has the power to break the chains of immorality. There's power in Christ. Here's the power to break the, the shackles of materialism. Some people are killing themselves and their loved ones through uh, uh, the almighty dollar chasing after it. Jesus has the power to break the, the chains of alcohol and drugs and the chains perhaps that some have of anger and violence. You see, Jesus, because of who he is, and we, when we have him, we have tremendous power to overcome these things. We can have a life of power, of hope, and of peace. So, Jason, the so what is absolutely enormous question, and thank God that Jesus is not just a human being. He's God in human flesh, available to all each of us. He is. So, Gary, um, we, we've got a bit of interaction happening here. Uh, people are texting in about um, the history of Josephus and uh, some of the early writings and the, the scrolls, but uh, I'm not sure whether you can see this on the screen yes, here, but yes. uh, whether you want to address that now or whether we talk about it in a later program or we just respond by, uh, by message. Sure, later. we're happy to respond by message, but yeah. let me show you, Jason, uh, that Josephus has um, many good things to say in history. For example, he's the one that claimed uh, how Masada was taken because, you know, he wrote about that. They found many of the things that he wrote in his, his, uh, his book on Masada was absolutely correct. Um, but he, he certainly made the claim that Jesus was a, a, a good man, Mm. Did merit, worker of deeds. So, but I'm happy to interact with with people on the, uh, you know via email. It'd be great. Yeah, no worries. And uh, another comment is about the fact that um, we don't have the original original uh, manuscripts of um, of uh, the the Old Testament scriptures. We have just copies of those. 
um, does that make them um, of no worth, you know, because they're oh, not that's the originals? A, that's a good question. Remember, the, the, the copies we do have date back to 100 to 200 BC. We know that because of the the carbon radiocarbon dating, uh, the style of the script we mentioned last time. So these are predictions we actually have that were written before Jesus came, and they have these predictions. Mm. So these are just the copies, of course, but they at least date before he even arrived by one to 200 years. So yep. no question. And as a result, uh, we've seen those predictions come, come exactly. true, come to exist, so we can uh, have some level of confidence in mm. those scriptures. And not only those ones. Remember last week, even in, in, in the area of the political scene and social interactions, mm. predictions were made by both the New and the Old Testament. And you'll find too, if you if you listen back to our past episodes that Gary's presented on the reliability of of the scriptures, and also Peter Watts in Searching for Certainty covers some of this as well, mm. in terms of uh, the the scriptures and uh, why we can trust them. So uh, we're almost out of time, Gary. Um, what have you got for us next week? Yeah, Jason, the program next week is called Transformed, and I'll be sharing some of the greatest evidence that there is someone out there that there is a God. Uh, it's going to be a really special time because we're going to be looking at story after story, both ancient and modern. I'll begin with the ancient, an ancient Babylonian story. It's, it's a fantastic time of life-changing power that we find uh, through God to change people's lives. One of the greatest evidences that there's a God is God's ability or the change that comes in people. Awesome. Now, just remember our code for today, DIG5, for that book, The Desire of Ages. Please uh, text that in, just the word DIG, D-I-G, and the number 5, no spaces, just DIG5. And just send that in on its own in a single text message to our number, 0488 That's 0488 uh, tomorrow we've got Raiko Chelich joining us um, and he's continuing his topic uh, titled or his series 3MJ on the ministry of Jesus uh, and his final week of ministry and his title tomorrow is Render to Caesar. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, just as we go out, we're going to go out with a, a song called He Leadeth Me, but I'm just going to leave you with a thought. Uh, and This comes from Revelation 3, verse 20. It says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. What a great promise. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Mm. You know, Sharing a meal together as friends, it's one of the most... Uh, I guess, uh, comforting um, images, really, mm. you know, having a meal together. So uh, I just uh, pray that God is with you wherever you are today and for the rest of your day, um, and we look forward to you joining us tomorrow or next week with Gary. He leadeth me, oh, blessed thought, oh, words with heavenly Comfort fraught Whate'er I do Where'er I be Still tis God's hand That leadeth me Of deepest gloom Sometimes where Eden's bowers bloom 
The victory is won.